0: Another episode of the Grazing Sheep Podcast. I'm your host, Big Tom Perkins, along with Dr. Cameron Myerly, and uh, I've gotten a few emails where people that are kind of maybe newer in the in their uh, sheep hobby or sheep industry, wherever you're at, are uh, kind of interested in a, maybe a, a, a calendar year kind of how we how we do things.
1: Yeah, and I think it's something where we've talked about a lot of different segments of the production calendar, um, but to put them all together, it could be useful just to get a big picture of what a 12-month cycle looks like in a sheep operation.
0: Yeah, and I I think it's kind of hard, too, because I kind of work everything backwards. I kind of start from where... Or when I want to be marketing lambs and then kind of go backwards from
1: there. Yeah, that calendar doesn't always necessarily start in January. No, if and you wanted
0: that- to start, yeah, if you wanted to start from the calendar, well, you're going to get out of bed January 1st late because you were up half the night, you know, partying for New Year's Eve and uh, you're going to take some aspirin and some Alka Salsa or whatever else that you need to get you through that day. And that day will just pretty much be a blur. And then next then the next day's January second. <laughs> you feel a little better.
1: <laughs> so. and then you go start lambing ewes out. And I I do think I when we had the, the blackface ewes, uh we're lambing early January, and that was you could kind of start with something fresh and you weren't necessarily in the middle of of anything. Um and so you'd start with young lambs in January one, and then you'd follow those through, you know, the rest of the the calendar year. I think now that we're, you know, moving. I, honestly, my my personal calendar kind of operates more on a sheep production calendar than it does a a normal twelve month you know, calendar. So, which is kind of interesting how that happens. And you've got times in there of. Uh, Of importance when you know you're going to, there's higher labor loads, uh, such as lambing. Uh, We just got done pulling rams out. uh, So that breeding season, especially with the NSIP group of sheep, um, you know, multiple sire groups. And so heavier labor situation there. Um, But I guess if we were to start you want to start with marketing and kind of work our way back or work our way forwards? Um, and maybe if we think about marketing and then go back to that breeding season, I think really that breeding season is where we, we kind of start the ball rolling. Cause we've just, unless we're accelerated uh, we've just come off of maintenance, which can be a busy time for you, Tom uh, you're dealing with the forages and, and or, or if you're building fence but you know <laughs> when we get into breeding season i with a seasonal animal uh we're looking at a fall breeding window yep whether that's uh and i i would classify like that natural breeding season to be september through november yep so september Breeding season gives us February lambs uh, and so on and so forth. So October, March lambs, November gives us April lambs. And I will say, you know, we were pushing the on the Katahdins to hit that Greek Easter market, uh, which depending on the year, late March into April, we were wanting those used to get bread in the month of january um, or bread to lamb in january so that would be the month of august uh, and so late july august kind of if we want to start there because that had a specific marketing endpoint uh would go and expose those or bring those views in uh, Assess kind of body condition, famacha scores, which is what we were doing over the summer, and then uh, the set of ewes that we're going to lamb early in the spring would start to flush. And I think there's a an episode, you know, a couple episodes ago, we talk about flushing and provide that. What we were doing is providing that one pound of whole shell corn per ewe per day for three to four weeks up until breeding uh till we exposed the ram and then we would put that ram in and for a long time and and it's kind of nice now from a, a genetic like silo situation uh, we were using one ram on all of the ewes because we didn't have a, a lot of sheep and so going back we have daughters that are from uh, say 2020 and we used you know, this ram, so all the daughters, all the ewes from 2020 are out of this ram, so on and so forth. Uh, And so, you know, bred during that uh, late summer time period, and then once we pull that ram out, would have a secondary breeding season for ewe lambs, so that they were lambing at uh, 13, 14, 15 months of age, and would then lamb in April of the following year. Right. Um, so, I mean, that kind of summarizes, I think, a late summer into fall. The big things that I would be focused on, the the production aspects. So the flushing period really sets us up for the breeding season, and that's kind of what our our starting line is for the breeding season. The other item that I think could, could get us started uh, – Pre-breeding vaccinations, you know whether it's for, uh, you know, abortion-causing agents like vibrio. Um, it, there's a whole, whole list of uh, pre-breeding vaccinations that you can select from if you've, you've had an issue. Uh, when I was, in, and I think I've mentioned on here before, growing up, uh, had some mentors that. You know, the thought was, if you've never had a problem with with abortion storms and sheep or um, there's abortion-causing agents, then why vaccinate for it? Until you have that situation, then you go, yeah. man, the vaccine would have been pretty inexpensive yeah. um, compared to not getting used bread on time. And so I'll tell you, last year uh, with the Katahdin's, had a bunch of used bread, um, confirmed bread via blood test, and went out and found. Um, I'm trying to remember what the timeline would have been, but it, that sixty to ninety day window went out, and we were moving some fence and found some, some underdeveloped or, um, just fetuses out in the pasture, and knew that we were dealing with some stuff, um, you know, not not positive items. And the hard thing is if that's transmitted via, you know, oral grazing, we're out in the, out in the field and that pathogen is then picked up by other ewes, um, it, it's difficult. You know, whereas if we were in a barn and feeds off the ground, maybe we have less transmission. Uh, but we had a significant number of ewes last year that, lambed with our ewe lambs because we after seeing that put rams back in um shortly after to try to get used to to settle because even if they're not lambing in january i'd i'd like to get lambs out of them i have to get lambs out of them um on an annual basis at least so so that's just something i don't know tom have you dealt with any type of abortion agent um or any that listed disease,
0: well, we're we're going through a, or we just went through a, you know a big problem um, where we took we we took the dead lambs in to have the necropsies done and it came back as iodine deficient, and so we're still working through all that and uh, we hope I, I kind of hope <laughs> if we get this all sorted out we can do a whole podcast on on that whole experience yeah but, but I, do but you I think know in, in us- our Our typical calendar year, I guess, really starts with uh, pre-breeding where, you know, we decide when we want to breed those because of when we want to market lambs. Right. And uh, the same thing as you, we we bring those in a good three or four weeks ahead of time, start them on that flushing ration, which is just typically a a pound of of some kind of whole grain. It's either going to be corn or oats. This year was oats or it was corn, and um, and then we we bring those in. So those are in for about a month. Um, our rams are are close by, so there's kind of that ram effect happening as well, because now they can they can see those rams, they can hear those rams, they can smell those rams. So I don't know that it necessarily works, but if if that's uh, if, if that's holds true, then that's happening. Um and then we'll breed them for one cycle. We we split those up into different breeding groups, put them in with whatever ram we want them in with. We go with one cycle, then those ewes go back out on pasture. 30 days from when we pulled the rams out, then we pull blood, and that's going to happen uh this Saturday. So we pull blood on those, and usually within a week, a week and a half, we get that those results back so then anything that isn't bred then goes into the next group of of sheep which are typically lambs and uh that this year there's going to be a lot of adults in there because of the kind of abortion storm we just went through and we'll do the same thing again there will be a flushing period but this time we'll leave them in for two cycles because we want everybody
1: bred and then you in your portion storm, like you had some lighter weight lambs. We'll get into it in a later episode. But yeah. It wasn't caused by an actual um, pathogen, but then, from a mineral deficiency, at least what they are telling you from your initial necropsies. Yeah. Um,
0: so now, when we pull those, so when we pull those uh, or put those rams in, we mark that on the calendar. When we pull the rams out, we mark that on the calendar. You don't mark this stuff on a calendar, you will forget. You think you'd be able to remember, but I can go to the grocery store to pick up two things and I'll come home with three and still forgot one of the things I wanted. So right. uh, the uh, so then so then at that same time that I mark on a calendar when that first group of users are to get their C D and T shots. And I bring those U's in. To start graining them about a month before they lamb.
1: So when would you give that CD and T shot, and why would you give it to those bread ewes? Do we do that
0: about uh, thirty to forty days before they're going to lamb? So that for us that works out fairly well because we're going to bring them in, we're going to grain them anyhow. So now we're just going to give them the CD and T boosters.
1: Yeah, and then you're your CD&T booster, are you going through, and because you have marked dates on those u's and maybe some marked in their first cycle, some marked in their second cycle, um, are you giving that to each u based on when her lambing date is, or are you just picking a, a median lambing date for the group and giving it to everybody?
0: We're just doing that average. You know, inside that, where that two-week period was, you know, we, we know the Uh, heat cycles what 17 days correct so we just kind of divide that up and and that's when we hit them Um, at times honestly it can be because of labor issues too you know if i don't have help right then i don't typically you know i'll kind of wait but a few days and we'll get it done and then from there you know now we're looking for lambs and uh, when those lambs start coming you know We go through and process those lambs. We got a whole episode on how we do that. And then after that is, I'll bet you, you go to every farm and they do it different from there on out. (laughs) Probably. But we're looking to get, uh, we're looking to get 60 day weights on those, uh, on that first group of lambs. And that's the average. So that the youngest one is at least 60 days.
1: Yeah. So you moved on. And I think the reason we move pretty quickly from breeding to lambing is because we have a five month window yep. in there that other than increasing nutrition um, from that last 30 days until or last 30, 45 days until parturition or lambing were just slightly above maintenance requirement. So uh, you know in Tom's situation, they're out grazing stockpile, Forage. Uh, if we had grass, we'd be we'd be out grazing, stockpiled forage, or feeding hay and making sure that hay is meeting uh, that that maintenance requirement and early and mid gestation requirement. Really, all we're doing is is feeding sheep, yep. and a lot of what happens there is going to be so dependent on what you're doing in your own personal operation for what works best, whether facilities or or just time management um but you jump from you jump from that breeding season and so tom you're not giving any uh vaccines for for any any pre-breeding vaccines for chlamydia or campylobacter we
0: have not at this point um depending okay on what these necropsies say maybe we will be
1: maybe you need maybe you need to and then there's some there's some stuff like Cache valley that we don't have a vaccine for that we can still run into issues with, but yeah. I think it's important to at least make note of that. Um, I think you know the breeding harness aspect. We used that on the NSIP flock, and that was more for we pulled cedars on, um, you know, the seventy use and bred within a week, and so wanted to make sure that rams were keeping up and those cedars were working, and we were getting marks early on in that. Uh, that breeding season and then on the cleanup ram had a, a different colored marker to to see if our initial selection really to help us denote sire come you know february next year um so i think that can be an, an important part of it um and i think the other aspect is just in general keeping that breeding window short you, you may have multiple groups uh but I I remember, you know, we would land for like what felt like year round. And it and it wasn't, but it was like four straight months. You know, we'd start in December and then we'd land clear through May. Um and because we'd have different groups and different, you know, types of sheep that we were trying to do different things with. And um, you know, having those set, even if I need to lamb a group early spring, late spring. The whole reason for the cedars this year is so I can do it in a week, and then we have, you know, three four weeks to get it, get everything going and cleaned up, uh, and then we'll start lambing on the commercial flock uh, about five six weeks later um, after the start of that initial lambing. But it gives me a month in between to to kind of get my head in the in the right space to lamb use out. You're not just dragging on for. For four months, but when you get into that that
0: lambing, that's part of why. Yeah, that's part of why um, that first group we're just going to let go for one cycle, because it keeps that. So our lambing window should be, you know, right around that two weeks, seventeen days, something to that effect, and uh, and then those lambs, the youngest ones, should be around thirty days when we need to move them out, so we can bring that next group in
1: right and that's mostly due to space i mean that's, that's the big yeah, that has
0: more to do with space than anything else if i had a barn where i could put you know 250 300 sheep in all at one crowd, we'd probably do that different
1: yeah yeah and so we go from lambing uh and i think that's if we're looking at timeline management uh depending on your area you have day zero uh we should be speeding up increasing nutrition uh, especially on a concentrate side of things compared to our our improved forages just from a space aspect yep you have space inside the body uh increased plant of nutrition and then day zero which would be birth or partrition uh you know what's that kind of processing look like and uh I don't know if we talked about that in an early episode but you know, getting those umbilical cords snipped, dipped, making sure they're eating, um, uh, you know, we'll provide a, an additional source of selenium with a Bosey shot, uh, recommended by our veterinarian, depending on your area, you know, you may need that, you may not. Um, and then after that, it's kind of just coasting. I think the biggest management will change over to a lactation diet, um, you know, within that first week of life for that for that you, and then trying to get that lamb on some creep feed within you know the first two weeks of of life. So um, that creep feed looks a little different than our normal creep feed. It's a, a finer ground, higher soybean meal inclusion creep feed because it's it's uh, particle size, uh, and I don't necessarily need those sheep consuming whole. Those lambs consuming whole pellets at at fourteen days of age, but the sooner we can get them acclimated to that, uh, the quicker we can get them going on a, a regular creep mix. But uh, and then you're weaning at ninety days, correct, Tom? Yeah, it's around there. Yeah, we're gonna okay. So I mean, hopefully by then, you know, really
0: we, we, yeah, hopefully by then we've got them out on uh, some kind of a pasture, usually by. On that first group, it's usually still stockpiled forage, right? And we'll and pull is... those, we'll pull those ewes and move them to a different pasture and leave all those lambs, yeah, in the, in the pasture they were in. That seems to keep the lambs a lot more calm. Uh, the ewes are, the, are what's more upset, and we'll try to put those ewes on pretty rough pasture to kind of help, you know, dry them up completely kinda towards so.
1: the end of
0: lactation,
1: right right yeah yeah so you're looking at 90 days i know early on um, you know we were weaning 60 to 70 days uh we're going to extend that a little bit more but that's because our our market was driven by uh you know ethnic holiday and trying to get into greek easter so we were lambing in january and we would wean in april um, or march depending on where that holiday fell and so uh, that was the primary reason, you know, if I'm trying to wean lambs in March, where we're at in central Ohio, we don't have you know, the forage availability to uh, get those ewes out and grazing. So uh, push them kind of hard, or at least we were with some creep feed to get those lambs into condition and, and provide the, um, the type of lamb that those buyers were looking for. And the next big, I think, milestone is is weaning. And so, um, as Tom mentioned, changing the diet so that we're decreasing level of nutrition because we were not accelerated and, uh, you know, we could tank those ewes kind of hard because they were going to have, you know, four and a half months to, to get back to body condition before breeding season. So wean those ewes and then, we were just selling, that was our, our marketing area. So um, we were selling all of the ram lambs out of that group uh, right then and there. And then the ewe lambs would stay in the barn um, and those mature ewes would then leave to just go out on on pasture, eat hay until we had uh, acceptable grass. So I think that's the biggest, when we're thinking like a, a annual timeline we could get into some ewe lamb development. I think that's a significant, if we're raising our own ewe lambs, that's a significant portion on that production, that annual production cycle. Um, okay, one, and of, so,
0: one of the other things to remember, too, there, Cam, is that uh, when we wean those lambs, we're going to hit them all again with CDP. Yeah,
1: and so we're actually giving um, yeah, Clostridial vaccine, whether it's CDT, uh like a BARVAC, or a Covexin-8. Yep. Um, we've actually transitioned to a Covexin-8, uh, a little bit broader spectrum, um, covers some more items, the only issue. And, and that's what we were administering at West Virginia University on the Texel flock. The, the thing I don't like about it is that initial dose is five milliliters, five yeah. cc's. And so we can see some... Some abscesses, some nodding, um, some change in in movement. Where we're giving that yep. vaccine um, that actually can inhibit some some mobility uh, if we're giving it in that that front kind of armpit. Uh, but I think all in all, we've been pleased. We've been pleased with it, and it's one of those pay a little bit more for. Uh, Additional protection. I know I've heard some producers that um, you just don't like the abscesses that come come from that vaccine. I understand that, but um, I for the for the immunity and the protection you get, I I don't mind looking at an abscess from a from a vaccine. So that's a great point. You know, looking at we're giving that before, I think if I was weaning at 90 days, I'm probably giving it before we wean, um, but I I shouldn't be giving it right at weaning because we have a stressful event that's occurring. And so the ability for the immune system to really take that vaccine and uh, develop antibody to it is... Uh, is affected you know is is minimized i shouldn't say minimized because it it still happens just not to the level that we we'd like it to um
0: we tend to do ours when we're pulling those 60 day weights right so there's that that would line up perfectly that's going to help keep a little more calm and all that but it's only a few weeks after that you know we're pulling mamas out and right then we're going to give them that booster CD and T when they are roughly, I don't know, maybe 120 days old.
1: Okay, so you're giving you're giving one to the ewes, and then two to the lambs.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yep. And then the uh, and at that 120 day mark, uh, a lot of times we're pulling those ewe lambs and putting them back in with the uh, with our ewes. Okay, because typically by then we're on much better grass, and uh, then we're going to be, you know, kind of moving fast. Yeah, and then pasture. you just
1: graze, and then you're just grazing up until that kind of three four weeks before breeding season. Yep, and and there's a whole bunch of things that fall in there. Um, you know, getting sheep ready for for sales, um, going through. I think. I, we should mention too, kind of post weaning or, or even at weaning, um, uh, looking at, I like to do it about 30 days after we wean, but going through that mature youth flock and figuring out who's, who has not done their job and who needs to go down the road, mm-hmm. making those calling decisions before I have them consuming forage yep. before I feed them for another, um, uh, you know, four months and then forget forget how terrible they were in the in the lambing barn. Uh, yeah, we have, making those culling decisions. We have a culling early list. On. Yeah, we have a
0: culling list. Because um, those sheep just keep having lambs and they just keep growing, and so we just kind of keep we just kind of keep keeping them. But you know, our number one culling list right now is we've got a few woolies. They just don't shed, and uh, hmm. so we kind of like to be rid of them. But they just keep popping out lambs, and the lambs keep growing, and and the lambs all seem to shed. We had one lamb this year that did right. not, so we probably shouldn't be breeding it, but it probably will end up getting bred unless we <laughs> unless we right. decide we need some freezer meat, I guess. But
1: yeah. Yeah, and I think the shedding. I think just general practice, we want our ewes to have twins. You know, they should be a, a multiple offspring bearing species. Yeah. And so, like if there's ewes that are having back to back singles, uh, that would be an easy calling decision. If there's ewes that are having twins, but they're weaning a couple of thirty pound twins, yeah. um, I guess we should use weights because it's subjective to the. Size of the ewes, and then just management style. Maybe thirty is, is average size, uh, but you know, use that are weaning litters that you know twins, both twins weigh less than the average of the flock. Yeah, you know, those ewes could probably be examined for uh, you know to move on to some some different pastures um, as we're starting to to make those calling decisions. But I. I'm in the same boat you are where we have not called to the to the extent that we probably should be um, and I think this year we're gonna you know make that big step of using terminal sires on that bottom end that that could be calls if we wanted to, but uh they're used that if that are doing just fine at yeah. ra- raising lambs they would they wouldn't make if if someone came in and said, well, you've only got a you can Only keep 50 or you can only keep 20, they would not make that list, yeah. But that's true. they'll make the list to raise lambs because they're still good sheep, yeah. Um, so, I think let's, part
0: uh, two is that uh, is for monster scores, you should do monster scores anytime you're handling sheep, yeah. Uh, once you kind of get on to it, you can do it pretty quick, and uh, I you know I. I do it just pretty much every day I just have views that will always kind of come up to me and and I don't always just check those ones but typically there's another one standing right beside it that's not paying any attention and I can reach out grab it real quick and right and just kind of pop that eyelid give it a quick look and
1: no and that's that's a great point and especially yeah. during the grazing season the growing oh, yeah. season when they're out on pasture that's that's huge um. And and we need to be. There's a lot of just annual kind of cycles that are layered over top of the sheep production calendar. Whether it's nutrition related, vaccine protocol, um, the the parasite aspect, parasite management aspect of of raising sheep year round like that. There's all of these different things that. Uh, kind of layer on top of what we're what we're trying to do, and as operators, as shepherds, uh, managing that to the best of our ability. Yeah, we think uh, I think we might be changing
0: up our mineral program, maybe uh, based on time of year. Um, and when I say time of year, uh, I think we're going to increase some of the vitamins in those minerals when we have them in on uh hay instead of pasture and uh as we're getting ready to lamb we're gonna start increasing some of that and we think uh maybe while they have lambs on them we're gonna increase that as well so we're probably going to be looking at least two different mineral mixes and again that just came because of what we were what we just went through the so camera coming up on our time here so it's been uh good talk about this and kind of hope we've answered some questions we probably have raised more because that's usually what happens with me
1: yeah and certainly feel free to reach out if you have questions
0: yeah absolutely i try to answer these as as quickly as i can sometimes i kind of let them stack up for a week or two and then i sit down spend an evening just answering emails but uh but yeah if you have questions you want to uh or any podcast topics you like to hear about, you know, you can do that. You reach out to me at bigtomperkins at gmail.com. There's also a Facebook page called the Grazing Sheep Podcast. You can go on there and like and follow. You can ask questions or leave comments there as well. That's so been good catching up with you, Cam, and uh, we'll talk to you later.
1: Sounds good, Tom. All right. Bye.